Oh no, it's that overgrown corkscrew again. It's like if you took This Is Spinal Tap, you removed the parody, and you inserted the turtles, and turned those motherfuckers all the way up to 11 on this episode of WatchBots. Hi everyone, welcome to WatchBots, the podcast about old pop culture where some of the hosts show up some of the time. This is Ben, I'm always here, joined by Shailen. Hello. And Dave is not here. He chose poorly, time with his family, instead of recording another masterpiece. I was going to make a joke about bad dates. You still could. I don't have a joke ready, though. I'll just build on yours. But without Dave here, actually, you didn't build on it at all. <laughs> it was another Indiana Jones reference. Bad dates. He's dead. That's what I'm saying. I'm sorry, listeners. Oh, man. <laughs> so you were going to build on it, and then you didn't build on it, and then we spent too much time on it. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Without Dave here, though, it's an opportunity watch bots after dark. You know, we don't have a webcam <laughs> set up. Uh, I'm suns out, guns out. I got a coffee and a bourbon. We can just get loosey-goosey. Totally. Which is no different from how I ever do this show. I was going to say, so it'll be a normal episode. Cool thing was announced in the past week that intersects with a lot of bullshit we talk about here. The Lego Nintendo Entertainment System. It looks awesome. Listeners, if you haven't seen this, it is literally a Lego Nintendo that comes with the NES a cartridge you can build, a controller you can build, and an old-timey television. Now, this is the coolest part, because inside the television, you are also building like a Lego diorama. Diorama? Yep. Diorama? Anyway. And you're building the diorama of Super Mario Brothers Level 1-1, and then you turn a crank, and the thing is progressing. It's so cool. Like, what what is this? (laughs) I spent an inordinate amount of time on the Lego website just looking at it, and I had to be really careful to not let our four-and-a-half-year-old who loves Legos and Mario Mm -hmm. see it, because I know he's already starting with, can we put this on my Christmas list? Mm -hmm. It's too soon. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. That will be in our home long before Christmas. Oh, yeah. And it won't be his. Right. But the problem with this is that it also releases the same day as all of the Lego Super Mario sets. So this is another thing. This was announced a few months back. Lego has worked with Nintendo to build what is essentially like a Lego Mario level. So you have a Mario that you build, but he's got like LED lights and he flashes coins and his eyes light up and you progress him through this level and like you get power ups and shit and it looks cool. Like it's it's technologically interesting as well. I had no idea his eyes lit up. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was neat looking. So that on its own... The pre-order sold out pretty quickly. They they came back. 
But they also announced that on that same day, August 1st, they're releasing the whole rest of the line. So it's like Bowser's Castle. There are suit power-ups. You can get like the fireball suit and the cat suit. There are different add-on levels you can do. All told, and this is before the NES, the whole line is like 500 bucks. And I will spend some money on some shit, but I don't have that kind of money for that kind of shit, which does bum me out to some extent. But then you add on the $200 for the NES, and it's like, man, being an adult in a time where pop culture is so heavily nostalgia-themed is fun, but also kind of frustrating. What I'm hearing from you is I need to go buy a lot of lottery tickets and win. Right. You got to bring home that cheddar. That's what I'm In a way that I simply will not. Right. I will try to get over my fear of germs attached to money Mm -hmm. and procure some cash and then get over my fear of going into stores. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Get your shit together. But this nostalgia thing is propagating into the next generation. So I've talked about this in the past. I built a, well, it's a video game emulator. I don't need to get into the, the science and theory behind it, but our son has gotten into playing just fucking horrible Nintendo and Super Nintendo the superhero worst games. Ones. Because back in the day, and actually superhero games are generally shit now as well, but all they were were like Streets of Rage beat 'em ups. So you start, folks, if you remember like the Simpsons arcade game or the Ninja Turtles arcade game or the X Men arcade game, you start on the left side, you punch the shit out of people, and you go to the right side. But he's gotten into those games. I liked the Ninja Turtle version on the Game Boy. Which was similar to the arcade game. Mm -hmm. It was very much like a side scroller and you could never go backwards and you had to beat the shit out of things to win, which is why I often lost. Uh, Unfortunately, that's something that (laughs) such a pacifist. He has inherited that from me. Like he just runs full force into things without trying to hit them. Sure. But say la vie. You know, it's funny you mentioned the Ninja Turtles because we made some pizza this weekend. Oh, did we? Out of the Ninja Turtle cookbook. It'll be an ongoing project, I think. But the cookbook is split up into like old school. So like your your bronies and your, your get over here's. And this is my slice to, to your, yeah, I'm your, walking here. your new schools, to like your desserts, to your none of the aboves. And we started off with a deep dish goulash pizza mm-hmm. and an old style Brooklyn Roni pizza, just fold that fucker over, is how they talk. Doing this on a weekend where there was an officially a heat wave was a choice. It was a choice. But you got to commit to the bit. I will say the pizzas came out pretty well. Yeah. Those turtles know how to put a recipe together from the dough to the sauce to the toppings. Everything handcrafted or paw crafted, cloaca crafted. I, I don't know. It's a turtle's hand called. Claws, right? So this is a thing. I'm looking at my own hand. I'm not sure why. Um, the ninja turtles are actually tortoises because they have individualized feet. They're not mm-hmm. flippers, which would make them a turtle. Sure. And I still don't know what you call it other than not a flipper. I call it a hand. I think that they're anthropom- anthropomorphized enough. Oh, you got through that Easy word. for you to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good stuff, but we'll continue with that experiment. But... I've been in the Ninja Turtles mindset, and with Dave gone, you know, we could get rid of all his bullshit rules and restrictions about what to talk about on the show, and I decided to go a little bit out there. 
you know, we talked about cartoons and we talk about fucking horrible teen sitcoms and game shows and all kinds of shit, but we haven't talked about documentaries. And we're talking about tonight the making of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shell store. It is somehow more arduous than saying the name of it. And it is a lot of words in a row. No, there, there was nothing arduous about this. this no, was, I know. This was a dream. I know. I'm just kidding. So for those who don't know, and God help you if you don't, the Coming Out of Their Shells tour was a stadium tour where the beloved Ninja Turtles and a cast of characters sang and danced and, and got on adventures. They played instruments. Kind of. But in the 80s and 90s, and today, to some extent, there was a rash of these, right? So when He-Man and the Masters of the Universe was flagging in popularity, they put on the He-Man and She-Ra Power Tour. Very similar idea. Did they sing? Yes. That sounds badass. Theme parks have a lot of these. So like Universal Studios had a Ghostbusters tour. Even today, they have like Frozen shows and, yeah. and shit like that. There's been Star Trek characters ice skating. Just there's a lot of rope in taking one of these properties, throw in some shitty costumes on, taking it on the road, and, you know... Because um, then the people who won't go to the theme park... Breaking they... the marks for a little money. Yeah. So when I was a kid, my dad's company frequently got tickets to stuff for mm. like because they, they could get like easy marketing. And I have been told the story many times over, but one of my first ice capades... They used to do you remember they used to bring kids out like on the ice in the little like pretend whatever it was. So they'd sit you on a little bench and like sure. drag you around the ice. My parents brought my sister and brother to the ice capades when I was probably like three or four months old, maybe maybe a little older, but I was a little baby. You know, a little treat for for kids who just got a new sibling who's <laughs> keeping everyone up all treat. night. That's right. And um my mom gleefully handed me off to one of the tin soldier ice skaters. Mm-hmm. Was just like, whew. Done holding that baby for a little while, and my sister, I swear to- It was Jeffrey Epstein? Wow, that was really messed up, Ben. That was really messed up. Somebody's got to bring jokes to this comedy show. Um, My sister didn't get picked to go out on the ice, Mm -hmm. and to this day, I swear she's still mad at me that I got to go out on the ice for it. She's constantly pitching such shit fits about it. It's true. Every time I see her, she's just pitching a shit fit about it. Did you do a lot of the tours and the ice things? And I mean, we saw Disney on ice, and I think at theme parks we would we would watch some of these things. But I don't know. My like, parents hated the theme park ones. I'm sure that they did. And in the comments for anything related to this Ninja Turtle show, people are like, "Man, the parents here must have been saints." And I sort of take umbrage with that because Broadway holds little to no appeal to me, right? Like. When Hamilton came on Disney Plus a few weeks ago, everybody was like, oh, Hamilton, Hamilton. Oh, fuck. God, now it's our opportunity to watch Hamilton. I could not care less. But the idea of watching this Ninja Turtles tour or like watching <laughs> like a bootleg of the He-Man tour, now that I enjoy. Because spoiler, I also watched the entire 90-minute pay-per-view show of the, of the Ninja Turtles tour and was thoroughly entertained. Of course you were. These kind of things speak to me. When you add in that just this week, one of the sort of boutique toy companies to celebrate the 30th anniversary and in conjunction with what would have been Comic-Con is releasing a four-pack of the Turtles in this iteration. What? Yeah. 
in Target, it's going to be a whole thing. By the time the show releases, they will have been sold out and the internet will have gotten very outraged about it. But it seems like a good time to be talking about this. So the cartoon came around in 1987. The comic book had obviously been around before that, so there was some knowledge, but this was before the movie, so like late 89, early 1990. When the turtles were getting real real hot. That's right. So two dudes from Broadway, they described themselves as punky kids, and like punk and Broadway doesn't quite mix to me, but I mean, whatever. It's fine. So the dude's name's Bob Bejan and Godfrey Nelson. So Bob Bejan is a very, very important player in the documentary. We'll see him later. Godfrey, not so much. But they got a hold of the comic book, the original graphic novel, and thought, oh, this would be a really good Broadway show. Don't know why, don't know how, but they did. I could see that being, if you take out what we're talking about today, Mm -hmm. right? If you're just talking about the story of the Ninja Turtles on Broadway, it's not that different from like Phantom of the Opera. Really, or Beauty and the Beast yeah. on Broadway, like it makes sense, and it's a little bit different, and like you're bringing it is in a little a, bit different. You're bringing in a new audience too, yeah. because you have like comic book readers, which so that makes sense to me. Where they went with it makes less sense to me. But I'm not opposed. How they got there justifies all of it. So these are just two dudes, right? But they found out where the creators of Ninja Turtles, Laird and Eastman, where they lived and worked, which was in Northampton, Massachusetts. And they cold called them. Like they literally showed up at the dude's house and were like, hey, we want to pitch you on this musical idea. And it's genius. the Ninja Turtle dudes were into it. They already had a licensing company. And the licensing company said, okay, 50K for the license. Now, these two dudes, just a couple of hard luck kits from Broadway, didn't have the money. So what did they do? Bejan found a dude with money named Steven Lieber, who had recently brought the Moscow Circus okay. to New York. Cold called him, got the money. So now they have the license. So now what do you do? I love this guy's nads. <laughs> yeah. Like, good for him. You secure a sponsor. And when you think Ninja Turtles, like you think ass kicking and you think Shredder, you also think pizza. So they prepared a pitch for Little Caesars and Domino's, I think, but also Pizza Hut, who jumped on board. So Pizza Hut, before anything had been concepted, before anything had been written, promised to buy 3 million audio tapes of the show, so the songs from the show, for $3 a piece. So $9 million, plus another $20 million in advertising. Holy shit. That's insane. And also good for Pizza Hut for making that happen. Mm-hmm. Like somebody somebody was a forward thinker there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the person who was a forward thinker will be meeting in a little bit here. Indeed. So the show came together really quickly. Like from the time it was signed off to the time it went live, I think it was like six or seven months. It was not a long period of time. And this was a big deal, right? It was like a 40 city tour. They spent a week, week and a half in every city. So just a ton of shows, ton of publicity behind it. The turtles were on Regis and Kathy Lee Hmm. for an appearance. There was an entire episode of Oprah dedicated to this version of the turtles and this was in 1990 when oprah was pretty big it's insane it's when she was still oprah and not like the o multi-bajillionaire right i mean i'm sure i'm sure she was making bank then too but oh uh, for sure but would you like to hear a little bit of the oprah let me hear the o if you will guys let me ask you this do you sometimes wish that april was a turtle 
Whoa, oh, definitely. Conceptually, that works for me. You know, I... Mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, Where you going? Oprah. Man, I cracked myself up. <laughs> Oprah, I've been trying to talk her into an interspecies relationships for months now. Whoa, whoa, Raph. Chill, man. And she won't do it. Huh? She can't no. hold her breath. No, she can't, can't do it. it. The biggest problem is she can't hold her breath long enough, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, coming up, the Turtles are going to perform their hit. Did you want to say something? I just wanted to say that the, seconds, one thing, <laughs> the one thing about the Turtles, being, being a, a reporter, it's hard for me not to analyze. And the good thing about these guys... So what you don't see there, too, is um, there were a lot of kids in the crowd because talking to the Turtles, the kids were horrified. As they should be. <laughs> I'm horrified. I thought on first listen... In first watch, that Michelangelo was saying sexually that works for me. Conceptually, yeah. Hopefully, consensually. Yeah. Maybe sexually. I don't know. But so a big deal. And what it culminated in was this live pay per view special from Radio City Music Hall to celebrate the tour kicking off, which again had a lot of people behind it. One of the executive producers of that was this guy named Bob Myrowitz, who was one of the people behind the original conception of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Huh. And just we'll talk about it there are so many people involved in this you know yeah. that like they put their blood their sweat and their tears and their passion into it i think that that's pretty cool but then we come to this so <laughs> <laughs> as part of this package we got a 30 minute documentary called the making of the coming out of their shell tour and it stars most of the people that we just talked about. Every person in this is a real person. There aren't actors or anything like that. There were actors in the pay-per-view part of it that weren't part of the show. Right. So like the dude from Supermarket Sweep plays a reporter, but he's not on the rest of the tour. It's only during that pay-per-view that he's he's involved. Huh. But these are real people, real record producers, and it, and it really shows. But it's not like you think of the Imagineering story on Disney+, Plus, right, which is a real behind-the-scenes of here's what the Imagineers did, and here's how Pirates of the Caribbean came together. Here are the animatronics. This is a fully in fiction, totally kayfabe, to, to use a wrestling term, version of how this tour came together. And I'm going to be honest, I loved it. Like, I'm making jokes about it, it was kind of arduous or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I would sit down and watch this again just for my own entertainment. I have, like, I'm not going to hold back on, like, Oh, it's kind of cheesy or whatever. They are so invested and so earnest in trying to tell this story like the people in, in the Ninja Turtle costumes are actual Ninja Turtles. Right. It is mind-blowing. It's like watching like Best in Show or Spinal Tap or any one of those mm -hmm. those movies, but they take out the comedy. And that yeah. somehow makes it a lot more entertaining. Yeah, like I think that they tried to be a little wink wink nudge nudge but this this is spinal tap or best in show or movies for adults right and this is a special produced for kids so like it's like they didn't understand parody or didn't understand irony there's a lot and of things they don't seem to understand very earnest in a way that is is very captivating to watch there's something very endearing about the people telling mm -hmm. the story and it feels very much like at a certain point, they almost convinced themselves. Like Bob Bajan, at some points, I was like, he really thinks the turtles are actual people. Oh, shit. Like, mm -hmm. this guy's going to have a psychotic break. Did you know that the the Beach Boy song, Barbara Ann, it was originally called Bob Bajan? No, I didn't. Bob, 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 Bajan. 
you're supposed to harmonize in there. Hashtag Babajan. So this was released on video. I don't believe it aired as part of the pay-per-view. There are a lot of differences between the Turtles in the show that we see here and what actually went on tour. I'll note a few of those as we go, and then I'll layer in some some fun bits about the actual live tour at the end here. There's not really an air date for this, per se, so we're going to go with the date of the pay-per-view, okay? which is August 12th, 1990. The heat of the summer, the heat of the moment. I wish I knew it was going on then. Your transitions into this segment are... Consistent. <laughs> Ooh, what were we seeing? It's contextual feeling. With how long movies ran in 1990, like how long they were in the box office, I was expecting Ninja Turtles to be number one. But then I realized that it had released back in March. Mm. So what we do have here, number one movie, Flatliners. Okay. The original version. The good one. <laughs> yes. Kind of, sort of. I don't think I ever finished the new one. Oh, I never even tried. <laughs> I tried to, and I was like, no, I'd rather just watch the original. Mm-hmm. Number two, Ghost. Yes. Just a movie really appropriate for a show where it's just you and I. Totally. Just, mm. Did I ever tell you about the time I watched Ghost? Mm. The first time? Mm. My best friend's mom. Um, there she goes again. <laughs> mm-hmm. She rented it, I think maybe for herself, but like mm-hmm. we were there, so we all watched it. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking at the time, I don't think I'm old enough to appreciate this movie. <laughs> you were 25. I was probably seven okay yeah it was weird great flick though totally Mm. number three air america now this was a movie i was unfamiliar with it's a buddy comedy starring mel gibson Mm -hmm. and robert downey jr as pilots whose plane gets not hijacked not taken over but by like coerced by government agents who then tried to frame them for smuggling drugs Apparently has a very deep anti-war message. I am quite literally speechless. Yeah. 1990 also saw the release of the Atari Lynx. And most people will remember the Game Boy, of course. Mm -hmm. There was also the Sega Game Gear, which was the Sega version had full color. It took like eight fucking double A batteries. (laughs) The Lynx was Atari's attempt at it. And Atari in 1990 was on rough times. The 2600 had long since been technologically surpassed, but it had the low resolution of a Game Boy screen, like the low backlight mixed with color, and it was shaped like a remote control. A big failure, but... Understandable, based on that description. All video game consoles, it has a certain element of coolness to it. Hmm. So with all that in mind, let's get into this show. So I loved the first thing that popped up and that is a like a title card for good times home video and good times not necessarily a company i was familiar with but whenever you would rent tapes from the store you know you'd rent like ninja turtles episodes and there would always be like that teaser for the the company not that made it but that just put it on video the distributor the distributor thank you it took me a long time to get there and then we get this opening song and if this doesn't set the scene i I don't know what does That's enough of that. Do you think there were any songwriters that crossed between this and California Dreams? I don't think so because Baba Jean wrote most of the music. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that song 
is the instrumental for the title coming out of well i guess it's the, the song is coming out of our shells but because they wrote it but the shell the tour is coming out of their shell but you get that instrumental song for like a minute and a half and it's over these cheap looking serif fonts and it just says like teenage mutant ninja turtles and then a shell very slowly twirls onto screen and then Raphael pops through it in a, like a really shitty looking cartoon version of Raphael. It's a very budget looking animation yes. considering most people knew this particular franchise through cartoons. Right. Did you notice the name of the production company? I did not. It was Tortoise Shell Productions and oh, Tor, T O U R. The first of many puns. It's worth noting here, I didn't grab lots of clips of this. Literally every person and every character talks about the turtles coming out of their shell. They could not have hammered this home anymore. Weirdly, the turtles keep their shells on the entire time. This is one of the big differences. In this version, the turtle suits look kind of like they do in the movie, right? Like they're fairly well articulated. The facial stuff doesn't look quite as good, but they move around. They're wearing their shells. During rehearsals, during technical rehearsals, pretty close to when they opened, people were fainting. (laughs) (laughs) because the suits are so damn heavy makes sense and you're near pyro and under these lights so they re-engineered the suits or they got new suits because the suits on the actual tour look several degrees worse (laughs) and where the turtles in the special like michelangelo has like a star over his eye and leonardo has like a star trek logo on his bandana and it's just kind of the suits they have in the show they don't have shells Okay. They're all wearing denim vests and like ultimate warrior fringe. It's really weird. I'm glad you said that. So I didn't watch the actual pay-per-view, mm-hmm. but I had in my memory the turtles wearing like a lot of denim and I didn't see it in this. And so I actually feel kind of validated that Whole I didn't lot of completely denim, baby. make that up. Nope, you did not. So the way that this show works is it's clips of what I'm assuming are rehearsals because there's never really any close-ups and a a little bit of um, a pre-show mixed with with interviews. So we start outside Radio City Music Hall and you get my favorite thing, a little background banter, a little vague chanting. (laughs) Ambiance. Those kids didn't really sound all that interested, but they chanted, so you got to give them credit for that. Someone somewhere in this production company was like, kids, I need you to do a thing for me. <laughs> and what you see first here is April. And April has very big hair and she's wearing a yellow coat. But I don't know. I guess the cartoon is really the platonic ideal of April. I don't know that any of the live action actresses ever got it from Judith Hoag all the way up to Megan Fox. Nobody's ever really quite nailed it. No, I agree. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. This particular April O'Neil. Mm-hmm. Uh, later starred in the musical version of Debbie Does Dallas. Really? So good for her. She does. Okay, this is going to sound piggish, and I don't mean it to be, but she has that like 80s porn star look to her. Yes, she does. Okay. She's like airbrushed with tall hair. Yeah. Yeah. So what she's doing here is she's doing some sort of man on the street interviews. And it's right about here that you start to notice the production quality. Take a listen. I'm April. The mix on it is just in all of these interviews, you can never hear anything. I will say for a person who's trying to pretend that their character is who they really are, Mm -hmm. 
she does a really good job of being April O'Neil in this. Like right. she's very sweet. She's very earnest, like talking to the kids. She's unflinching in the face of like just complete chaos around her. Mm-hmm. I appreciated how hard this woman was working with this crowd of children because children, as anyone knows, right. Hard to work with when you're filming. Sure. Hard to work with when you're living with them. And I think keep all that in mind because as we go here, you'll be shocked to hear I get really into like the meta narrative of the show <laughs> and like where this fits into the turtle fiction. It's very confusing. I don't know that there's an actual answer to it, but but we'll just leave that up there. All right. So now we see the turtles. And as opposed to the movies where the turtles had a pretty full range of motion, these turtles, like, they dance a little bit, but it's always like a fist pump or like a little foot kick. And when they're doing interviews, their mouths don't ever really move or they move like... They move incorrectly. They move like they're eating grass. And the way that they compensate for this so that they don't look dead is they're always just sort of like swaying and gyrating around. And the first two we see are Michelangelo and Raphael, and they're just kind of standing and moving. And uh, here's how they sound. Start? Well, it all started a long time ago, back in the pet shop. Oh, Mike, stop goofing around. He wants to know about the music. No, duh! No, duh. (laughs) You'll notice these aren't the voices from the movie or the TV show. The voice of Leonardo from the movie, and I believe the voice of Splinter from the movie, did voice their characters. But everybody else just sounds a little bit off or in some cases a completely off. bit <laughs> off yeah and for what it's worth as we'll hear with the singing here the singing voices and or wait a minute no maybe it wasn't the people in the suits were not the people who sang thank right. god but michelangelo was voiced by bob bajan himself oh. so he did all the singing the lead singer of course and so they're talking about making music and then we cut immediately to the turtles getting ready for the show so we all remember from Spinal Tap, like them getting ready. They're going on. They're getting ready to go they're on the stage. Up. So here we see the turtles walking around. And what do you get? Oh, rock and roll, dudes. Totally break a shell, man. All right. All right. Let's get this. Awesome. I'm ready to go. Yeah, happening. The funny thing about this is because their mouths don't move, it's just the actors in the suits walking down the hallway with this weird, like, dialogue 80 yard over (laughs) it's a very funny feeling and then i died laughing because what you see is the way that they come out on stage on the show is they come out of sewer grades so they're under the stage so they pop out of the floor through a little tiny circle right so what you see is literally the stage hands like getting their dumpy heavy asses into there by like just 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 like shoving shoving them them in the ass (laughs) it was like in the cartoon when Winnie the Pooh gets stuck in Rabbit's house, mm-hmm. except it was actual people shoving giant turtles. Yeah. So this is where you get part of the first song. I'm not going to play all the songs, folks. I will play some of them as we go. This is the title track. This is coming out of our shells. kind of slaps it's a good song catchy as hell yeah it was at this point that i came up with possibly the best analogy or the best description of what we're witnessing Mm -hmm. that i will ever create in my entire life okay 
we're gonna we're gonna backtrack it, right? So you imagine that a person one mm-hmm. time in their life mm-hmm. saw a concert. Mm-hmm. They explained it to a person who's never seen live music ever. And that person does a bad cartoon drawing of it. <laughs> and then a different person describes that bad drawing to a group of people who make it happen somehow. Mm-hmm. It is wild. Like they they know that you're supposed to like kind of like the bass guitarist and the guitarist will get together and like kind of riff together. Sure. But there is zero rhythm involved. They understand that like when you dance, you kind of like dance with each other across the stage. But they don't really do it together. Yeah. They hold the microphones weird. So there's a little bit of choreography here, but their dancing is like how I would dance at a high school dance. Like it's just kind of like like a little shuffle. Not really in time to anything, you know. Listeners, we want to hear from you. What was your high school dancing style? Hashtag bump and grind. But they're also (laughs) Raphael is playing the drums, but it's like this weird vertical drum kit. Which they do explain. They do explain. And also, you'll notice during the show that the turtles are always like taking their instruments on and off. And I thought, wow, that's incredibly lazy. But even that is explained in the show itself because Donatello has programmed the instruments to play themselves. Oh. So they can play them and they do play them. My God, that do they play them. But they can do other showmanship kind of things too. They're also wearing like these white cowboy boots that, <laughs> they did away with for the, for the actual tour. So it's very, very awkward. This is the first time it hit me when the turtles are up there on stage and they, like, they all have these maniacal grins on. I was like, man, this must have been a nightmare to produce. You know, my heart goes out to the people who put this together mm-hmm. because I cannot fathom the amount of work and coordination to get four dumpy ass costumed <laughs> yeah. bad dancers together to pretend that they're lip syncing when they can't even move their mouths. Right. Like, bless these people. And so from here, we meet Babajan. And Babajan kind of looks like a mix between Drew Carey and Judah Friedlander's character from 30 Rock. That's right. Let's uh, meet him. Okay. Yeah. It, it, no, okay. It's good. Watching them come out of their shells literally now as they go out on the road. It's great. I mean, it's uh, it's incredibly fun for myself and, and my partner, Godfrey, just to be around it and watch it. So the way that they play this is that he literally, like, just heard them playing somewhere Mm -hmm. like that they came up and they met and like they were just turtles playing music and i thought okay in this uh, also first of all nobody's ever horrified at the turtles right so the idea of walking turtles who talk and are punk as fuck and play instruments right never bothers anybody but i kept wondering like did the events of the cartoon slash the first movie did those really happen because i can't even remember, like, at the end of the first movie, if the turtles were well-known, they were ninjas, for God's sake. But yeah. here, they're, they're, we find out later they were already world-famous. But a, an interesting question. We also meet another man of charisma here. And this is Steve Lieber. So Steve was the money guy. And, of course, you're the money guy. You got to be on the show, right? Bob was telling me all about this incredible group that was playing on the ground in the sewers in New York. And it was the most exciting thing he said he's ever seen. And of course, we managed some of the biggest rock and roll bands in the world, Aerosmith, ACDC, Ted Nugent, the Scorpions, we, we knew that something new and exciting had to happen in the 90s. Bob told me about this group, the Ninja Turtles, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, I couldn't believe that they were going to sing. And Bob brought me down. What I saw was incredible. It was the most unbelievable, best new rock and roll band I had ever seen. <laughs> just think about like this rich dude just going down into the sewers to watch some turtles play. So I 
chose to view this as this is a man who doesn't realize that he's doing a bit. Mm -hmm. And like, he's just describing his actual meeting with the guy who showed up at his door and was like, hi, you don't know me. I need a lot of money from you. I have a great idea. I did enjoy- Up until that last sentence, like, singing turtles. I did enjoy his New York Trump-esque intonation. Look, this was the best band ever. That's not, (laughs) that's a terrible Trump. That's not at all what either of them sound like. Let's hear your Donald Trump. No, I'm not doing that. Give me, give me a Bigly. <sighs> no. Bigly. 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 I really appreciate it, too. I'm pretty sure that this guy supplied his own very well-tailored suit. Oh, sure. Um, of course. It was great. They only had $29 million to play with here. <laughs> so now the Turtles are in the recording studio, again, where they're ho- playing instruments that are hooked up to nothing. But we also meet our production assistant, Bryant Arnett. And he gives us our our requisite thumbs up of the week from the recording booth, but he's got a little insight into the turtles as well. They're a little green, you know, they didn't really know exactly all the ropes and and what's involved. You you get it? A little green? A little green. A little green. That's hilarious. (laughs) I noticed something here as I was sort of going through the episode and, you know, stopping and starting and pulling clips and stuff. Chances are better than not that anywhere you hit pause in this 30 minutes is likely to be some kind of a nightmare image. You know, whether it's a very 80s looking person with humongous hair or one of the turtles just lolling about, it's likely to be something you're not going to forget. And so the turtles here are playing slash recording their single. This this is called Count on Us. This was the big moneymaker from the album. And here you see Bob in the background and Bob is rocking the fuck out to the turtles and everybody's having a great time. And people are like, Bob really respects the turtles. And I just, (laughs) what was going on? And I started thinking like, again, because I'm a moron, like what happened to Shredder in this world? Like is Shredder just gone? They killed him in the movie, but spoiler, he does show up in the live tour and we'll, we'll get more into all of this, but just really confusing stuff. And, the banter continues. But Ben. Yes. The work ethic is just beyond reproach. It, the work ethic is beyond reproach. And I think part of it is because of the background of the turtles. Yes. I had this thought and I was so glad that Bryant and, and Bob had the same thought. They come from such an athletic discipline background being ninjas and having such a tremendous mentor and splinter. Their ability to translate that discipline, almost like an athletic kind of quality and approach to living to the music was a breeze. Okay. So ninjas are good musicians. What's weird about him saying that they took their discipline from athletics and brought Mm -hmm. it to music. I knew a person in a past life who was a semi successful bodybuilder Mm -hmm. and the bodybuilding judges all attributed his successes to the fact that he was a violinist. Oh, and so he there used, is a connection. He used the discipline from practicing musical instruments to hone his body. So I don't know I if don't like that, that means sentence. that's fine. I don't know. Tell me more about the man honing his body. Ugh, I don't want to. Um, How vascular was he? I want to talk about the vascularity. There's a lot of spray tan. Um, He's gonna puke. <laughs> Thanks, Vince. I think that. Basically, if you are good with discipline, you can be successful with things. Like that's the that's You're the a regular message. splinter with that kind of quote. It just it seemed reductive. It did seem reductive, but 
in case you were wondering, like, and this was the first thing I thought, hey, these turtles got these fucking flippers. How are they playing instruments? Even that stone is not left unturned. Even that stone is turned. Leonardo plays a one-string bass, which is great. It's amazing sounds out of it. It's fretless, so that's pretty cool. Um, and then uh, the keyboards that, that Donatello plays all have uh, triple thickness keys. So uh, at least he doesn't have to hit like three four notes at the same time. First of all, don't ever interrupt the clip again. <laughs> Second of all... It was my favorite line major <laughs> in the whole... It's fretless. They they pepper in like these music terms throughout the show, like during the press conference scene and stuff too. And it's just like, I, I don't know who this joke is for. Children are not going to understand any of this. But so Leonardo plays a one string bass. Raphael plays the stand up drum kit. Michelangelo, they say, plays a triple wide synth. The keys look pretty normal on that synth. It's a guitar. But the funny thing is, <laughs> the turtles all just switch instruments at various points anyway, yes! so there's no continuity to any of that whatsoever. The only consistency is when they're on stage, you see Raphael standing up the most mm-hmm. to play the drums or the the fake drum kit that's programmed six different right. ways. But yeah, that doesn't even... That's not thorough yeah. for the whole thing. Yeah. It's frustrating. So we're recording the song. I found myself wondering, like, how much footage did they shoot of the turtles standing there playing instruments? Like, did they just shoot 30 seconds and loop it? But then I was I was awestruck by what I heard next. And they believe in them as a band, not just as a commodity to be exploited. And I think for the, from the turtles' point of view, that's what they were looking for in a label was somebody that really believed in the music. So two things. First of all, they signed with MCA, which <laughs> is pretty funny. But second, if the show had any sense of self-awareness, I would think that line was meant to be a jab. But the idea that the Turtles were wanted to be there for the music and not just as a com- commodity to be exploited on this tour that was made explicitly to exploit the children. Turtles for, <laughs> for money. Yeah. I yeah. enjoyed it. It was great. Irony light bulb. So we meet another person here. This person's only seen this one time, but this is big time Hollywood music producer Billy Brill. And wh- what does he think? Madonna will go into therapy when she sees this video. They're not making a music video, Billy, but thank you. So we're back to the concert here. And if you thought that the Turtles were going to go on tour without their daddy, nah, because Splinter's there. And <laughs> Where the turtles, like I said, at least in this special, look kind of sort of okay. Kind of sort of, seriously. Sort of. Splinter is horrifying. I described him as a nightmare cat. His head... Looks like a cat. Well, it's that, and it's like if you get a really cheap costume, and the head is way too big for the body, that's what this is. Oh, the yeah. body is what the body is, but the head is like seven sizes too big, and his eyes are blacker than nightfall in a forest. Like, there's just no pupil. Like, it's just staring into marbles. And I also wondered, Splinter's like, he's a big-time ninja guy. You know what I mean? Like, is he going to be okay with the guys going out and just jamming with the crowd? Here's the answer. You must all keep growing, seeking and finding yourselves. I hear you sing, and this is good. Music can let you accomplish more than all of the weapons in the world. You can touch people. You can make a difference. And the difference is good. The difference is good. (laughs) That's right. Children, put down your weapons and pick up your one-string fretless bass. Wish the man in the White House would listen to that. You can touch people with music in a way that isn't considered a violent crime. Mm Mm-hmm. 
unlike using nunchucks on them. <laughs> I loved this so much for trying to instill like the value of art in children. I don't think a single kid left this show thinking, you know what I want to do? I want to learn to play an instrument and mm-hmm. I want to stop fighting. No kid got that message. So there is a song in the show and I don't have any clips of it here. It's kind of a, or maybe I do, um, but it's kind of a rap song about like doing the right thing and, and staying yourself. So they tried to instill some, some little teeny lesson. It didn't take, but. It was very sweet that the people who were not exploiting the turtles, uh, they were really appreciating mm. for their money, tried to get in. They tried to sneak in those good messages. So now we're back to Mikey and Raphael, and it's like Raphael is a robot that they had to turn the switch on to because they they cut to him. He's leaning backwards, and his head is like askew. Yeah. And then he just snaps up, and I was like, is, is he drunk? I think he was overheated. Could be. Here are three clips from that. You know, at first, I think Splinter wasn't really into the music thing, and we sure thought he wasn't going to be into it at all. Whoa, and if you could have heard us at first, man, we were bad. Like, thank you, dude. Next. Next. Yeah, like, you know, he tells us all the time, you can accomplish more with music than you can with any pair of nunchucks. Totally, dude. Yeah, bodacious! Radical! (laughs) That's one of my favorite things. They have to get through the dialogue, and then it's just like, there's this awkward silence, and then it's like, cowabunga, brosif! They just... Radical! I feel like they also only had, like, four words each that they knew. We hear bodacious a lot in this special. So this also propagates to the live show. It opens with the turtles coming out, and they're playing coming out of our shells, and the song ends... And Michelangelo's just like parading around stage and everybody's like radical and tubuloso. And Michelangelo just keeps saying, we love you. We love you. <laughs> it's and I'm sure hilarious. they do. They do. Here's one more with Raphael. Directors and sponsors and lighting yeah. and costumes. Yeah. Whoa, cowabunga, dude. <laughs> he doesn't know how to say it's a lot of things to manage or we didn't consider how many people needed to be involved. It's <laughs> yeah. just cowabunga. But here you start to see the number of people who are really involved, the the people behind the scenes, if you will. First, we get this quick interview with, I think, I actually think it's Leonardo. I put Donatello. The bandanas are hard to tell apart here. Yeah. So the blue looks like purple. The red looks like orange. Whoever this is, is sitting in front of a lot of Pizza Hut. I think it's Leonardo. And, well, listen to what Leonardo says. Once we started in the studio and started to work on the record, I began to see I had musical abilities that my other brothers didn't have. Hey, thanks, asshole. And <laughs> now we cut to the the stage building montage. So Donatello is voicing over this whole part, and he's walking around, and he's helping the crew set up. So, like, he gives a crew guy with a mullet something, and then they share a very awkward high five, and you, then you see Michelangelo in costume, like wandering around behind a guy sweeping the stage. And if you were on the stage crew, you must have fucking hated this. I just really appreciated that Donatello was really good with his Hans. Mm-hmm. And so yes. he put this together. I don't know why he said that particular word so oddly, but I love the concept that like, oh, well, in the show, in the cartoon and right. in the comics, 
Donatello was into like building things and like inventions. So obviously he also knows how to assemble an entire stage for a big mm. concert. Wait, what? <laughs> Donatello knows everything. He's the maestro of the metal. <laughs> I don't know. Totally. Did he build Metalhead? Um, I don't know. Listeners, hit us up if you know. Hashtag did Donatello build Metalhead. So now we cut to one of the real staples here, and this is the press conference scene. I don't know whether this was a real press conference or not, but it starts off with some crowd shots. So there, what appears to be media there. There are some kids there. And there's a dude who looks like former CEO of Disney, Michael Eisner. And he introduces Bob and he introduces Steve. So kind of the, the forces behind this. And I noticed here, the kids didn't seem too excited to see Bob and Steve. Old friends, Steve Lieber and Bob Bijan, Steve and Bob. Donatello! We are the turtles. Donatello! So Bob is hamming it up. And again, he's talking about like the, the fucking turtles instruments. And it was... And how the, the turtles would not compromise. Yeah. They would not sell out. I'm glad you said that. Certainly we talked to the turtles about working with a sponsor for the tour, but they wouldn't compromise. They wouldn't sell out. And uh, once we landed on Pizza at Pizza, we went to see them. <laughs> they didn't want to sell out. What? But then we met a sponsor we sold out <laughs> was selling out like a big deal in the punk world in the 90s yeah hell yeah i'm trying to figure out like the first time that i referred... that's what took down the sex pistols i can't tell if you're fucking with me or not the ramones broke up over a wendy sponsorship that's not true yeah johnny was shilling for the super bar and joey didn't care for it you're such a liar don't do this because now i'm gonna have to google it later to make sure i don't Dee Dee was caught in the middle the point is it was a big deal okay but all of this leads to the introduction of the star of the show here and this is representative from Domino's. a representative from pizza, pizza hut, hut. Oh, boy, Jeez, what a ben. fucking flub on my part get ready for mea culpa next week this is david novak we're just absolutely thrilled to get the world's most famous pizza eaters to hook up with the number one pizza company in the world David apparently not briefed for, for this press conference. <laughs> he sounds very confused at all times. Now, David Novak, still involved with Yum! Brands to this day. Really? Yeah. A career built on the back of the coming out of their shell store. I love that they were like, all right, we need to really legitimize the Ninja Turtle music world tour. Novak, mm -hmm. you're up. They couldn't even have gotten an actor to play him. They just, no, they just got the is, real guy. It's so good and is, I love is, it. Every is real. I love it. But what's a press conference without the turtles? I, I'm going to play a clip of this in a second. This is truly amazing. In the middle of David Novak's speech, the turtles come through a side door and the kids start freaking out. And the turtles just, they go up on stage and they're like, whoa, how's it going, dude? Whoa, tubular. <laughs> well, walking around for legitimately 35 or 40 seconds. Here's a clip of it. We're here in the rock. Hey, how are you suits doing here? Talking business? This is supposed to be rock and roll. All right. Rock and roll. All right, dudes, get out of here. Hold on, dudes. And then they leave. It's the Denver the Last Dinosaur <laughs> moment of this special where like everything any of them say mm -hmm. 
it it feels like a complete non sequitur <laughs> and it fits perfectly. It's Get me so some good. pizza, bro. That's what rock and roll's all about. Not wearing a tweed suit. Do you remember the episode of The Office when they found mm-hmm. uh, the pot in the parking lot and Michael Scott had never done drugs and he of just course. keeps making like the, the stoner jokes? Like They sound exactly like this. <laughs> Smoking doobies, doobie brothers. I mean, was that the joke? Were the Ninja Turtles supposed to be stoners? Or I mean, were they supposed to be Spicoli-esque? No idea. I mean, no, it either. fits uh, yeah. for this iteration of them. But I'm not convinced that it fits other iterations. Like, mm-hmm. I think they were supposed to be just like cool dude, party dudes. Michelangelo was a party dude. That That is very true. So they leave the press conference and then they go to perform at the roof of Radio City Music Hall to a crowd of, of dozens. <laughs> and I noticed not a... Not a child in sight. Not a child in sight. Not a tear gas canister in sight either. So truly <sighs> things were better 30 years ago. I'm going to play a couple clips from the next song, Pizza Power, here. The thing I appreciate about Pizza Power is it feels like a song that I could write. Yeah. Take a listen. Believe me when I tell you the word gourmet don't exist. But Pizza Power, a flying saucer food delight. Pizza Power, all that's what makes us feel all right. How about a little more? Let's, you want a little more? Let's do it. A little more pizza. I love the singing because it's so the singing voices are so incongruous to the talking voices, which are so incongruous to the voices that you 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 equate the turtles to. Yeah, I also appreciate the fact that this song is it's like two and a half minutes long. Oh yeah, they're all legitimately long songs, and it just. The singers in the studio who recorded it were mm-hmm. fucking feeling it. And the actors who are trying to pretend that they're singing it, they are fucking feeling it. Yep. And the crowd is just watching Jaws Agape trying to figure out <laughs> what the hell is going on. Jaws Agape like the turtles themselves. True. These are the only real close-up shots of the turtles performing, and you can really see the seams a little bit. So Raphael is playing the stand-up drum kit by not really playing anything. And Donatello has the guitar, and like he's just kind of like slapping it off his thigh yeah <laughs> it's very funny and now we get to meet another character and there are so many characters here i didn't get this guy's name but he's the licensing guy and as with everybody else he's got some insight about the turtles it's hard to say no to a turtle you know to rock the crowd so he put down his weapon he picked up an instrument different kind of messages what he implements yeah let's just have a little more rap Music is the way to reach people. <laughs> Too true. I couldn't decide when I was listening to this if it influenced Beck or if it was supposed to sound mm-hmm. like the Beastie Boys, or maybe both. I think the Beastie Boys. One thing I noticed about the songs is they're, I mean, they're all very reminiscent. There's a Springsteen ripoff, mm-hmm. uh, this Beastie Boys kind of thing. They We don't really hear the song, but they play like a Kokomo 
and there's alligators dancing on stage. There were alligators. Yeah, that's what they were. They were alligators. I wrote, Jesus, God, what are these animals dancing? Yeah, like they were the precursor to like left shark, right shark from the Katy Perry Super Bowl show. Just these out of time alligators and like hula shirts and grass skirts. <laughs> Very I, strange. I mean, so I was thinking, oh, these are like the Fantasia dancers, mm-hmm. like the animated Disney movie. But then I was like, I'm not sure if they're rats or if they're no, they're alligators. alligators. And the song is about skateboarding in the sewers. That makes the choreography have a lot more sense. It to absolutely it. does. It absolutely does. You can't say no to a turtle. It's true. Back to the fiction. So Leonardo or Donatello again? I'm not. I'm not sure which. Soliloquizes a little bit. It gets a little bit serious. People didn't even know we were real. Now they can see us and hear us. It's extremely hip. We've paid our dues. Now we're out of our shells and we're rocking. <laughs> First of all, come on. <laughs> it's like he forgot his line or we're ran out of breath. Rocking. We're hip. We're with it. But this is where the sheriff of continuity comes into play. So they were described in the press conference as they were already world famous. But then Leonardo or Leotello says nobody knew who they were. And it's like, wait a minute. Now people know who they are. Now they know. But then they were world famous. So maybe, I don't know. There's a There's a lot of chicken in the egg going on here. I have an explanation to bridge the gap. Mm -hmm. The explanation is they were world famous for being a group of Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. who were able to save New York from, okay. from Shredder. But now people know who they are, right? Like they're more than just people, like just turtles who fight. Right. They're bigger than that, Ben. They have a message. They're fucking turtles <laughs> who do not sell out unless Pizza Hut's involved. And then they're famous because of it. They were already famous mm-hmm. like as a group, but now they're known. We've heard a lot of people talk about the turtles and their dedication and their work ethic. And now a man with a unibrow is going to talk about computers. The turtles were trying to develop a story within their show, as well as make the show technically interesting from an audience point of view. So they wanted to work with uh, Verilites and other computer-controlled gizmos to make the set interesting. Of course, Donatello built the computers. But again, keep that. They wanted to build a story in mind. Here's part two of that quote. Their idea was a, was a show with a, with a rock and roll musical base that, that people are familiar with, that, but tells their story and brings their message out to the, to, to the world. So they wanted to not just sing and dance. They wanted to bring a story, right? That's right. So, spoiler, and I will talk more about how glorious Shredder is in the show. The foot show up in the show, Shredder shows up in the show. So it's like they wrote the show to give shredder something to do but then is it the real shredder is it an actor they hired to play shredder well they wanted to tell a story ben right they have more computers than nasa i mean that's true i'm really trying to place this in the fiction because in the show and maybe the turtles are just kick-ass actors i mean it's that ninja physical mentality but shredder fucks the show up (laughs) and he he does the best thing he quotes leslie gore Mm mm-hmm which makes total sense because he's supposed to be evil monster, like destroying the city, right? Right. And so what better way to do that than to quote like a cutesy girl pop band from 1960? Mm-hmm. Totally makes sense. Well, so Shredder does show up and he 
he either is Shredder and is ruining the show or the Turtles wrote some stuff for him. I'll put probably like six minutes of stuff on the end of the episode here. Shredder is a fucking delight in the show. (laughs) He is a white dude playing a Japanese man, which is, is very strange on his own. He is hammier than a side of bacon. He is trying to steal the world's music because he hates music. And after intermission, he comes out and he does five minutes of the gentlest insult comedy. (laughs) <laughs> including things like him being like, he's just calling out to people in the crowd. And there's like, he looks at one kid and he says, what's your name? And the kid goes, Ben. And this is true. And he's just like, Ben, <laughs> big Ben. <laughs> and there's another kid. He like, he asks if he's dating his cousin. It's, it's fantastic. And then he hates music. So what does he do? He raps. He has a rap about how much he hates music. Checks out. That seems like a very Shredder thing to do. It's true. He's he's fucking delightful in the show. But because the Turtles wrote this story, they wrote everybody a song. Everybody here includes April. I'm so excited. Here's a little April song. Very little. Just like this bad Belinda Carlisle shit. This is the low point in the documentary. It's also the low point in the live show. This woman is singing her fucking heart out. Yeah, it's it's just bad. And I love <laughs> it so much that like, I don't know if in her mind she's like, this is going to be my break. Or if she's like, oh, mom and dad, you were right. When I dropped out of Juilliard, I should have done something different. It's so good. Yeah. And also her pants are so high waisted. Mm-hmm. That was the style at the time. Hers are exceptionally high. You hang a radish from them and all that stuff. So, oh. For all the highs of the show, the ending of it is kind of a low point because it's just the Turtles playing the last song, which is Count on Us. And then you get credits. But over the credits, you get a little bit. You get some of that famous turtle banter to end the show. I just want to go back to my analogy from earlier. One time, mm-hmm. a guy saw a concert, and then he described it to someone, <laughs> and it went through six different translations, and the only thing that carried was, at the end of the show, the front man introduces the band, says thank you, mm-hmm. and everybody quietly drifts off the stage. So this all has a very like Wild Stallions vibe to it, too. Um, real Bill and Ted feel. So on the live show... It ends just like this, you know, that same kind of banter. And then the turtles drop through the floor, through the sewer, right? And as soon as they're off the stage, like, lights are up and they're like, you want to buy the merchandise? Go to the stand. (laughs) It ends so abruptly. But the documentary doesn't end there. So there's a little bit more credits. And then we get the scene that inspired Samuel L. Jackson showing up at the end of Iron Man. This is Splinter. And he, like, levitates up into what appears to be an attic of some sort. Mm -hmm. And he says... They are definitely happening musically. What? (laughs) I don't know what that... That must be a reference to something. It just flew right the fuck over my head. I don't know what it means, but I feel really inspired. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lay down my weapons 
I'm going to pick up some drumsticks. I'm going to change the world. So before we go to our ratings here, a little little postscript. The tour happened, and it was so successful that they had like a second smaller tour that went around Six Flags. So not stadiums. We're, we're down to playing in Six Flags called Getting Down in Your Town. I love it. Much lower budget. April was replaced by Casey Jones, who always had to wear a mask because there was some kind of actor's union thing about recording. And so they had to keep like the identity of the actor under wraps at different shows or something. That's weird. A little sketchy. A little sketchy. But a couple more notes about the live show itself. There is an appearance by the host of Supermarket Sweep, who is David, oh boy, I can't remember his last name, but he's playing a reporter. And the turtles are defeated by Shredder midway through the show. And he goes down there and he meets them in the sewers. I'm sorry, the sub-basement of Radio City Music Hall. And he's holding a sword. And he's just talking to them. And like, the turtles (laughs) are just berating him. And Michelangelo's like, oh my God. It's like he just had a skinny coffee or something. It's really weird. (laughs) Splinter comes out early in the show. And he's talking about, he uses like the music is more better than using a bow staff or whatever. And then he has this four and a half minute song called Skipping Stones. It's like that Springsteen song from The Wrestler. The voice where the turtles voices aren't even close between singing and talking. Yeah. Splinters is like speaking another language. So at the end of the episode, I'm going to tag on some of the Shredder insult comedy. I'll, I'll tag on some of the the splinter song it's it's just crazy crazy stuff but at the end of the live show as the turtles are you know they're parading around this kid tried to climb on stage so donatello goes down to give high fives to the kids in the front row <laughs> and the kid tries to climb up into donatello's arms and you see like a horrified parent falling him down <laughs> <laughs> the live show is 94 minutes including intermission which they have some stuff through it's a treat folks if you haven't watched it do yourself a favor and check it out it's It's feel good start to finish. I can't say that it's better than any of the Ninja Turtle movies, but consider it a spiritual successor. And next week, you can tune in to hear me and Dave do live commentary over 94 minutes of Turtle Special while Ben finally gets a break for a change. You know, I thought about doing a live watch, and then I realized it would be a lot of pressure. Yeah. Because you kids, you like prepping. You you gotta... You gotta be snappy. You gotta be on your feet. That's me. I'm, I'm all about prep. Now, speaking of being snappy... Yes. Let's rate these turtles. Let's. Would you show this documentary to a child? No. I think that this would be a combination of scary and confusing for a child. Mm -hmm. I think the content is inoffensive, so it wouldn't be like a problem if they saw it. But this is not something that I'd be like, you know what you're going to like, kid? This. Mm -hmm. How about you? Yes. Why not? Okay. Everybody likes this stuff. Who couldn't love this? <laughs> how, how about one to five times you came out of your shell watching it? Oh, five. This was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm very supportive of this, and I look forward to watching it more times just for fun. This was great. I, I will give it a five as well. Um, oh, it's a social. I don't know if you can have a social between two people. I'm declaring it is. Okay. This was a joy. Like This is cheesy in all the right ways. I will get on things a lot for being low production and feeling lazy. This is low production, but it's so earnest that you can't help but love it. And I have a soft spot for the Ninja Turtles. So to see them in this, like people rag on this special and this tour a lot as like the death knell of the turtles. And I think that's the wrong way to look at it. I just, I can't, 
overlook the legitimate, genuine excitement from everyone except for Novak. David mm-hmm. Novak was very confused. He didn't know what he was walking it's into true. when he showed up. That's okay, though, because it's so authentic. Like His reaction is very like, yeah, we decided to do this thing, and oh my God, my boss said I was coming here for some kind of fundraiser. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's I mean, just, it's it feels authentic. If you want to talk about a live action turtles thing to loathe, we could talk about the TV show that added the the female Ninja Turtle. Well, we'll get there at some point. I would love to spend a month just watching the the live special for the show. I, I don't know that it actually would would sustain for a month, but. I really recommend you check it out. It's it's good stuff. You know, this was a live concert tour. And over the years, a lot of rumors and innuendo have come out about artist demands in their concert writers, right? Like Van Halen, famously no brown M&Ms. Mariah Carey had apparently requested kittens and doves at every concert. Madonna has requested a new toilet seat at every venue she visits. I don't think that's unreasonable. Kanye West has asked for alcoholic slushy machines, and that that's pretty cool. Huh. Cowabunga! Hello, folks. So, as will happen, the recorder stopped. So we lost, like, 15 minutes. The best stuff we've ever done. We're going to pick it up. This is just a tribute. It's true. We're going to try to repeat what we just said. The game may or may not have happened in the midst of this, but we're going to pull it together. We're going to make it work. The good news here is that I've been drinking, so everything that you hear will be completely spontaneous again. Yeah, blackout. So, as I was saying, I had a thought that what if some of the franchises that we've talked about over time went out on a coming out of their shells of their own, right? Like, what kind of demands would they make? So, with that, we're going to play a game called Not easy rider. And I had a bit of a crisis of conscience here because when you're making a game for one person, right? There's no stakes to it. You're going to get the questions right or wrong and you're going to win. I win. Not in this game. So (laughs) the way that I've set this up is we have four franchises here. If you can guess the one I'm about to talk about sight unseen, 20 points, that's a guaranteed win. Okay. If you can't do that, I have four clues. If you get the question right after clue one, three points. After clue two, two points. After clue three, one point. If you need all four clues, you get no points. But if you don't get it right at all, now you're losing points. You're down to minus one. So it is possible to end up with less than zero and thus lose the game. That sucks that I can lose against myself. (laughs) You can lose against the sands of time. I don't know. So first franchise. Denver the Last Dinosaur. Incorrect. Here's your first clue. Cello music must be playing at all times. My pet monster. No. <laughs> the problem with doing this twice is now you're <laughs> we're just like stretching for guesses. I literally this don't remember what I answered. <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting you to like recite it. Anyway, number two. Cats and dogs must be kept in separate rooms. Heathcliff. Incorrect. Number three. Only Winston brand cigarettes. Flintstones. No. And these were what you guessed the first time. So we're doing good. Continuity. Number four. The last clue. This is to not lose points. Any slimy foods must be checked for paranormal activity. The real Ghostbusters. Here's the thing. That's wrong. It's just 
Ghostbusters, the movies. So you just lost a point no! on a game where you knew what the answer was. Come on. It's Ghostbusters, the movie franchise. You said it was a franchise we've talked about. The real Ghostbusters we talked about the- does not have Dana Barrett, who played cello music. Does not have the line about cats and dogs this living is bullshit. together. <laughs> it does have Winston. It so, does have Winston. Uh, amazingly. <laughs> I just lost a point on a game I've already played. That is incredible. Okay, well, now the pressure is on. <laughs> Number two. Franchise. Sight unseen. Captain Planet. Incorrect. Here's your first clue. There will be no references to anything that happened during previous tour stops. Gobots. Incorrect. Number two. There must be an equal amount of male and female attendance at all times. We're very, very interested in their romantic and very likely sexual entanglements. California dreams. No, but you're on the right track. Number three, copious amounts of caffeine pills. Saved by the bell. Correct. The fourth clue (laughs) would have been a giveaway. Only burgers from the max will be considered. That's okay. So now I'm at zero. You are back to zero. I'm not currently losing against myself. Right, right. And in an astounding turn of events. Franchise three. What could it be? G.I. Joe. Wrong. Here's your first clip. An increasing amount of dressing rooms will be required for every stop on the tour. That Iron Man cartoon I made you watch. (laughs) Incorrect. Number two. We'll only drink pink liquid from cubes. Beverly Hills teens. No, it's not Hollywood teens either. Number three. Have a funeral ready for the star midway through the tour. He'll probably be back by the end of of the run, though. Transformers. That's correct. Optimus Prime. <laughs> so, first clip uh, refers to just Transformers' ability to bring new characters in literally every single episode. Every episode. Number two, drinking the pink Energon liquid from the cubes. The last clue, though, I, I don't know if this would have been a giveaway. It's probably good you got it when you did. Stage must be quadruple reinforced. These are some big boys. I'm not convinced that I would have gotten it from that. Yeah. yeah. It's a tough one. So now you're on the board. Positive points. I'm no longer losing against myself. Because of your f- previous faux pas, you do have the opportunity to get back down to zero, which I will consider a loss in this. Well, motherfucker. Number four. <sighs> what could it be? My Little Ponies. I so desperately wanted you to guess the real answer that you do know, and then I would have just come up with, a, with another one on the fly. <laughs> but no, I'm not going to do that. I'll play it straight. Here's the first clue. 200 large cardboard boxes must be at every tour stop. Garfield, because cats love boxes. Cats love boxes, but no. Number two, talent must be given one case of hot dogs. Heathcliff. Still not Heathcliff. Number three, every character has to be given their own dressing room. And yes, we know they're all the same person. Wienerville. What could it be? It is Wienerville. See, you need the cardboard boxes so that they can... He can make dioramas, all the little diorama things. I think that should have been a cat clue. And misstep. Hot dogs, because uh, wiener. The the last clue was in Dave's living room. <laughs> you must tell talent. You believe tall tales about them and Robin Williams performing on the street. So that probably would have been a giveaway. So fortunately, even with a big misstep, you made it to positive points. You did win the game. 
I didn't lose the game against myself. But do you see how much interest adding stakes in can add? You're walking on the edge of a knife. It's true. A knife. I'm standing at the edge of tomorrow. Onto the mailbag. Less of a question and more a demand. Create your dream celebrity-themed or endorsed liquor. Faithlessly yours, Wino Dan. So thanks, Dan. So think about the Rocks Tequila or Dan Aykroyd's Crystal Head. What celebrity liquor combination can you come up with? Dan Aykroyd's Crystal Head Vodka. Soul Man Whiskey. <laughs> Harrison Ford's Broken Glass Rye Whiskey. <laughs> Mark Wiener's Prison Wine. <laughs> He's not in prison, though. No, I know. Okay. But tell me it doesn't fit. So I know there's Star Trek wine mm-hmm. and Picard's special That's blend. right, for his Bordeaux. Is there a Star Wars wine? Not that I'm aware of. Chewbacca's Wookiee wine. Mm-hmm. You can be the most parsips close to... Parsips? Oh, parsnips, boy. No, I'm just kidding. The community's coming for you now. What? How do you say that word? Parsnips. That's not. That's a vegetable. That's not what I asked. Parsecs. Parsecs. Mm-hmm. That's just bad hearing. That's not me getting it necessarily. Like incorrect for stupidity. <laughs> you thinking like these Star Wars measurements are fucking vegetables? What a noob. Here's what I know. If you want to be the coolest kid on your block, mm-hmm. you want Wookie wine. Okay. What about Bill Clinton's? saxophone spit and it's just like a bottle of no, alcohol that sounds fucking gross not what, interested what about peewee herman's porn th- no no that's not one either this is tough bill Cotton. no no nope, can't do that can't do that one can't do that one certainly not what about dr fauci's fake news fernum what is fernum isn't it an aperitif i have no idea let's go with dr fauci's fake news fernum But listeners, we want to hear from you. What's your favorite celebrity liquor? Hashtag celebrity liquor. Make a fun one up and then we can make cocktails from it. And then I will drink the cocktail while we record our next episode. Have we done cocktails before? I feel like we've done cocktails. Have we? I think we did. I joked about making the Pokemon game about cocktails. cocktails, Right, right. But I didn't do that. It was was cocktail at you. And we thought "Eh, that name didn't really work. That's not at all what it was. So we made it. We did it. You know, you you take Dave and his fucking overbearing. <laughs> you take his his rules and his his finger wagon. His meticulously organized cell phone. We're off the rails. We're talking about fucking turtle heads and shit. It's true. Do you think that the turtle suits are anatomically correct? No. Cloaca's on every one of them. What? Yeah. Gross. That was one of the big things in the live show. There's a whole number about it. I don't believe you. Coming out of their shells is a puberty reference. Oh, Ben. <laughs> it took me an hour and a half and a failed recording to get to that one. But I did it. Have you ever found like a random turtle driving around, brought Every it day. home? Every day. Have you ever eaten turtle? I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Hmm. I don't think I have. We, when I was a kid, were driving and my parents had to stop the car to, to help a turtle across the street. Mm-hmm. And I was so sad that we were leaving it to the wild that my dad let me bring it home. 
And then I quickly realized I had no idea how to care for a turtle. So I had to bring it back. I don't know if you do this. Turtles do not have a big area that they can just explore safely. <laughs> area. Uh-huh. Um, Tell me about the turtle's area. Like if you if you take a box turtle more mm. than a couple miles away from where it was born, almost always it will die. And so when I started researching what to feed this turtle that we brought home, mm-hmm. I got really sad and thought that it was going to die. So I might, I made my parents drive me 20 minutes back to where sure. we found it, where we re-released it into the wild. Hmm. Yeah. My parents were very forgiving about things like that when I threw tantrums. What a shit fit you threw that day. I did. What a big fucking shit fit. No, it was just like very quiet, solemn tears. It's going to die because of us. How uplifting. Any final thoughts? We saved thoughts? the turtle. Any final thoughts? This was fucking great. Everyone should watch this mm-hmm. instead of whatever other dumb mockumentary is out there. Yeah, you got some fucking kids that are bugging you during this quarantine. Put the fucking documentary on. They'll be transfixed. Does this count as a learning activity? They'll come out of their shells. No, not in any way, shape, or form. Damn. You can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Jiffy, and, and everywhere at WatchBotsPod. Type it into Google. It'll show up. Please subscribe and rate and review on iTunes and Spotify and your platform of choice. For Shailen, for Dave and Absentia, enjoy your vacation, Dick. Thank you for listening to another episode of WatchBots. And to take you out, everybody's favorite drummer slash train conductor, Ringo Starr, is going to introduce us to a little clip montage from the live pay-per-view of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shells. Oh, the totally weddies. That's it, huh? <laughs> coming out of their shells, Ben. They say a good comedian evolves over time. Oh, no one ever said I was a comedian, did they, Ben? Mm, very true. I'm a musician. See ya. What's your name? Ben. Big Ben. Oh, God, awesome. Back off, dude. In your seat. Aren't you a little old to be having this much fun? What planet did you just fly in from? You know, I think I've seen your face on a milk carton recently. Is that your mom? How would you like a one-way ticket to my technodrome? Look at these two all snuggled up like they're at the drive-in theater. God, give us a break, come on. This is live entertainment, get involved! Huh? 
Peter? Is that your sister? Friend? Huh? Cousin! Cousin? What's the matter? Couldn't get a date? No, it's that overgrown corkscrew again. I hate music! Music! I hate music! I said music! I hate music! hate music! I hate music and you heard it first! I love the way the band is under rehearsed. I hate music. I think it's the worst. We gotta save Splinter. Have you ever skipped rocks on the water? Skipped them when the water is flat and calm, and watched the rings grow around the place where the stone touched the water. Each of you is like that stone, and everything you do, good or bad, makes rings. All of you must work to only make good rings, because just like the water, the rings that go out will affect all that they touch. Raphael, you remember the day you came home from the park so excited? The story you told me. The truth always lies here. It is the smallest things that make the biggest difference. Stones. 